Hello and welcome to Social Media Ministries. My name is Spencer Kaufman. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If this is your first time, take advantage of those subscribe buttons below, whether you're listening on the podcast or watching on YouTube. If you're returning with us, excellent. We're in the middle of uh, an awesome series about the end times. We're on part five of about a three-month-long sermon series. So, if it is your first time and you haven't seen the previous uh, sermons related to this series, check them out in a card up here or navigate to YouTube and find the playlist about the end times and you can get caught up that way. So, today we're talking about the first beast represented or... um, described in Daniel's vision in Daniel chapter 7. Now a little bit of a recap. Uh, Daniel chapter 7 happened uh, in in about the middle of Daniel's life. He was roughly around 60 to 70 years old. This would have been about 50 years after uh, Daniel chapter 2, which was Nebuchadnezzar's dream. And a lot of people uh, mistakenly correlate the two. We've shown uh, the past couple weeks that that is is an error, that it simply is not the same interpretation, it's not the same dream, they're different. And then uh, this also is about three years, two or three years different from Daniel chapter 8. So I believe last time I said the whole thing could have spanned a six-year period from Daniel chapter 7 and Daniel chapter 8. Really, the vision of Daniel chapter 7 was in the first year of King Belshazzar, and then the vision in Daniel chapter 8 was in about the third year of King Belshazzar. Uh, However, the dreams and everything of the writing could have spanned about six years, and it could have been even later. But the point is, from one vision to the other vision was only about two to three years, not the whole six-year span. So I just wanted to clarify that so there wasn't any confusion when you go and when you've read the Bible and you say, wait a minute, he said six years. Well, six years could be the span, but the vision to vision would be three years because it says in the first year of King Belshazzar in seven uh, one, and then in eight in the third year of King Belshazzar's reign. So it's very clear biblically when these things happened. But um, the start of chapter seven. Who knows if he had that vision for a full two years or if he just had it in one night. We, we don't know that. Based on scholars and the biblical timeline, scholars, they always estimate uh, in excess. For example, uh, this scholar here, he, he has, this is, I just found this on Google, by the way. So this scholar says a possible timeline for Daniel, vision of four beasts, 553 to 549, well, that would be four years, which we already know that it's not four years based on the Bible, because from the vision of the beasts, chapter 7 to chapter 8, would be from the first year to the third year, so it's only three years. So these scholars always add a a year plus or minus because they don't want to be wrong. So um, we know that that it was about a two or three year period, whether it was two or three years during 553 to 551 or 551 to 549, that's what they're allowing for in that margin. So when I said six years last week, 
it's really in a six year span, but the vision to vision was three years. So it gives you a little room for margin. Now that we got that cleared up, you probably didn't even care, or maybe you didn't even notice, but I just wanna make sure that everything we're presenting here is directly from the Bible, that there's no room for error because it comes from the Bible. So when we go about the visions and, we, and, and I show you that chapter seven is different than chapter two and chapter eight could be more closely related to chapter two, and then we jump all the way to Revelation 13 and we see some beasts there that relate to chapter 7. It's true because I've shown you how they correlate. And if you haven't seen that, I really encourage you not only to read those chapters, so Daniel chapter 2, 7, and 8, and also Revelations chapters 12 to 14, because that is what we've been talking about in this whole series. So enough with all of that. Let's dive into the purpose of today, which is talking about the first beast. So I'm going to recap the first beast. Really what I'm going to do is read the verses here. Uh, 7, 4. So Daniel chapter 7, verse 4. You've probably read it about five times uh, since we've started this. The first was like a lion and it had the wings of an eagle. I watched until its wings were torn off and it was lifted from the ground so it stood on two feet like a man. And the heart of a man was given to it. That's it. <clears throat> one verse. We're talking about one verse today, and it's the man. Now, we could jump up to the interpretation and say, okay, let's talk about the interpretation of that. However, Daniel, the mighty interpreter of dreams, was unable to get the interpretation or to give, to provide us anyway, with the interpretation. Whether or not he figured it out and maybe God said, hey, don't tell anyone about this, we don't know. But uh, all that we know in the interpretation is the four great beasts are four kingdoms that will rise from the earth. So we know it's in the future. We've covered this in the weeks past. So we know that they are future at, of the time of Daniel. So that means that they could not have been in the past, which means it could not have related to Daniel chapter 2, Nebuchadnezzar's dream, because that was in the past. Remember, 50 years earlier than this vision now. In addition, future... Uh, it has to be when the Antichrist is here, these nations. So one of these nations, we've gone over some on what they could represent, but today let's talk about the lion transformed into a man. It must represent a nation. Which one? Well, one that begins after the birth of Christ and still exists when Christ's return to destroy the Antichrist. How do we know that? Well, remember Daniel chapter 7, verses 11 through 12. It says... <clears throat> Uh, verse 12 is the other beasts had been stripped of their authority. So the nations were stripped of their authority, but were allowed to live for a period of time. Period of time after what? Okay, jump up another verse. I continued to watch because the boastful words of the horn, which is what? The Antichrist was speaking and or not specifically the Antichrist, but the nation that the Antichrist brings in. So until the horn was speaking, I kept looking until the beast was slain. That beast represents the Antichrist and was its body destroyed and thrown into the blazing fire. So the Antichrist is going to be destroyed, thrown into the blazing fire. And these other nations that were here, the four other or the three other nations, maybe even the fourth, that one nation that comes in and takes over everything, uh, they will be allowed to be around for a period of time. So we know that it has to be after the birth of Christ and that they still need to be here when Christ returns. <clears throat> what 
nations could they be? Must be a modern nation, and that's it. Now, some people say, well, a lion was Babylon, and we know it can't be Babylon. Why? Because Babylon was in existence before Christ, and it no longer exists today. So two things, that's why. So the lion must be a modern nation. Okay? Moving on, it must be a nation that fell. And you say, wait a minute. I thought you said it has to still be in existence. Yes, still be in existence. But remember, we have a lion with wings. Then the wings were torn off, and the lion is no longer a lion. It is now a man, and the heart of a man is given to it. So the lion, to go from a lion to a man is a pretty big downgrade. And I don't mean that as intellectually, but in terms of the power of a beast, if a man goes up against a lion, who's going to win? Unless it's Samson, probably the lion. So the lion was humbled and turned into a man and given the heart of a man. man mankind, humankind, is really what it should be. They were, were given the heart of a human, uh, to be politically correct nowadays. But the point is, it was humbled. So this is a nation that was powerful, that was humbled, and then something came off of it and broke off and started something else. So let's check out what it could be. There are several modern nations today that use the lion as their symbol. About 18 of them. Uh, could be more, could be less. This was just the, the main nations. Of course, there are over 200 different countries and, and there are many states or provinces that could also use uh, the lion as their symbol. Uh, their state flag or their province flag could have the lion on it. And who knows, maybe they could rise into a nation and, and, and take the lion and, and, and come up. You know, I mean, we never know what could happen in the future. If the U.S. splits in two and half of it goes with one symbol and half goes with another, or north-south, we don't know what the future will hold. However, we know that this has to be a nation that is already split. So the chances of, of this being a nation that exists today and existed are very, very good. So it's doubtful that it's, not, that it's a nation that we don't know of. So let's check this out. We have uh, seven nations in Africa that use the lion, and again, could be more, but Ethiopia, Gambia, Kenya, Libya, Morocco, Sierra Leone, Lion, Togo. So what could it be any of those nations? Those nations are strife with war uh, in Africa. The whole continent really is. And Africa, uh, no offense to anyone from Africa or living in Africa, but they have not really been a world superpower. Throughout history, other nations have always been trying to conquer Africa. They've always been coming in. They've always been taking it over. They've been taking the people as slaves. Africa has been uh, a, really a poverty-stricken nation for, for many, many uh, years, decades, centuries, etc. So we're pretty confident that this lion with the eagle's wings humbled into a man is not one of those nations. So let's continue. We have... The United Kingdom, uh, represented by England, specifically Great Britain, Luxembourg, Netherlands, North Macedonia, pretty big empire, Norway, Singapore, and Sri Lanka, or Sri Lanka, however you would like to pronounce it. There's some debate, but we're not going to get into that. All right, of those nations, we have a few contenders. 
the UK, Great Britain, England, they have been around for many centuries. They were a world superpower. They've gone up and down and rise and fall, so it could be that. We've got uh, Netherlands, Norway with the Vikings who were ruling the world at one point in time and now they're pretty much non-existent, so uh, they could have definitely been humbled. Uh, but further, we have a couple other nations that have a take on a lion. Iran is the Persian lion, and uh, once again, Iran is, has not really been a world superpower. If you would have said Israel as a part of it, then maybe, but have they been humbled and have they torn off into other nations? Well, we have all of their little sects or cults uh, that have split up and divided as people groups. So, I mean, I wouldn't say that one was large enough to be a contender. Then we have the griffin, which is a winged lion or a lion with wings. Uh, sometimes the griffin is portrayed to have the head and neck of an eagle and then a lion's body and then the wings of an eagle. So depending on the type of griffin drawn or portrayed, it may not be. The beast in Daniel was specifically a lion with eagle's wings, not a lion body with an eagle head and wings. Uh, the, 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 <clears throat> the beast in Revelation chapter 13 was a mixture of beasts, so we're pretty confident that this lion into a man is not relating to Revelation 13. So, uh, of the, the nations that have that griffin, what could they be? Well, Babylon uh, uses the winged lion, uh, more like a lion rather than the eagle's head. So Babylon, that is why that was definitely a contender, but as we said, they do not exist. So we're pretty, pretty common we can strike Babylon out. But the nation of Venice, which is really not a nation because Venice is a part of the country of Italy, but Venice has historically been around. They were part of the Roman Empire. They have had a winged lion for a long time. So Venice could possibly be a contender because maybe it was a bigger part of the Roman Empire and then it got humbled and Italy uh, kind of took over Venice, depending on how you want to look at that. So it's not a very strong case, but it's a case. Wales, they've got a winged lion. And then Alexander the Great, he used a winged lion as his symbol. But we know that this can't be Alexander the Great. Why? Well, because many, many people confused that Alexander the Great should have been the, uh, the bear, which he represented his empires and then uh, was torn apart, or, or even the leopard, they've more specifically said the leopard with it being divided into his four generals, the four kingdoms. But we know that this can't happen because we look at Daniel chapter 8 and that is where the proof comes in. The two-horned ram represents kings of Media and Persia and the shaggy goat is the king of Greece. The large horn between its eyes is the first king, Alexander the Great. The four horns that replaced it, the one that was broken off because Alexander died or was killed and it was broken off, represent four kingdoms that emerge from this nation, but will not have the same power. So that would have been his four generals that divided up the empire. So we already know that Alexander the Great is not in Daniel chapter 7. It is in Daniel chapter 8. More accurate representation. So Alexander the Great, even though he used the winged lion as a symbol of his power, he, he is not there. So for people that, you know, we there are a lot of different interpretations. They say Alexander the Great could be that swinged lion, could be the bear with the three ribs and he devoured these empires, or it could be the leopard head. No. 
He's not even in there. They're just trying to give him something. He's in the chapter 8, put it to bed, be done with it. So, England also uses a winged lion on its currency, by the way. So let's take a look at the contenders. We've got the Vikings in England. Really, uh, that's it. If you want to get into a big uh, discussion about why that is, do some research. We can comment below. Remember, discussion, not debate. We want to be polite and respectful with anyone who participates. So continue on with that mentality. Uh, I'm going to skip to the chase here, cut to the chase, and say that over the Vikings and how their empire went and how they pretty much don't exist. They're not out pillaging, plundering. Now we're just Norwegian or Scandinavian. I mean, it's my heritage. So, uh, you know, we, we just exist. We're not still a superpower. Yes, if, if we were humbled, we didn't become another nation, unless you would say it divided, but not really. So the, the best contender would be really England or Great Britain specifically. And why is that? Well, let's take a look at it. The nation of Great Britain uh, officially came into being in, in around 1700s, in the, about 1707. And this is long after the birth of Christ, so that checks that box. Uh, they were a major world superpower with a superior navy. The British Navy or the Royal Navy, they were like the only place in the world, other than maybe like Singapore or um, some of those nations over near that area, Southern Asia, the Philippines, Sri Lanka, all that. They had fleets of ships, but they were nothing compared to the Royal Navy. This place had over one-fifth of the world's population at the time, which is a major, major number for just one area, the UK. At their height, they were the largest empire in the world. So that's uh, another reason why some people try to throw Alexander the Great in there, because he had conquered over like half the known world by the time he was 23. So he had one of the largest empires. So did Napoleon, so did all, I mean, a lot of people. Uh, the Huns. So... Great Britain had the large, I mean, they were huge, the largest empire in the world. They held their power for over a hundred years. And this is really the kind of the kicker. These guys were major players. They held the best navy, the most people, the, the most land for over a hundred years. They were big. They were proud. They became arrogant. They were conquering the entire world. They set out to go to a new world and a new land, and they tried to conquer that, separate colonies. They were expanding like crazy. They were becoming proud and arrogant, and they were ruling their people uh, very harshly. And what happened? They were humbled. They went from being a roaring lion, flying all over the world, conquering the world, and they were humbled. Their, their wings were torn off and became a, a separate nation of its own. And this lion was transformed into a man and they were humbled. They were taken down a notch. This, the wings became a new nation and rose up and their, their, themselves, they were, they were no longer even a lion roaring over here. They became a humble man, which means they lost a lot, a lot of their empire. And how did they lose it? Well, it was England, UK, Great Britain. Area was huge. It started becoming separate countries, separate nations, being divided, royal families, all kinds of stuff. And they got smaller and smaller and smaller. And now it's, you know, the continent of Europe, of course, or the United Kingdom made up of several separate places. So they were definitely humbled. They were uh, 
def they, they had their wings torn off and that became a nation of its own. So what nation we really now we have another another beast. Daniel's dream had four beasts, uh, but we have the, the lion and its wings were torn off and it was lifted from the ground and stood on two feet like a man and the heart of a man was given to it. So those wings, they don't just disappear. They become something else. So we're going to talk about that next week. What do these wings represent? What nation did they become? Is that nation still in existence today? Will it be in existence later? We're going to talk about all of that next week. So if you have, I'm sure you have some speculations, but uh, you're welcome to comment below with them. But for sure, tune in next week because we're going to continue this. We've got the, the lion. We know what that was. Turned into a man, and now we've got a new nation that is eagles' wings. What is it? Come back next week, and we'll talk about it. We've still got a lot of this series left, so keep with us. Subscribe to the channel, hit the like buttons on the video, share these with other people, engage in discussion about this fascinating topic of the end times. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for bringing us all here today. Thank you for uh, these great messages for. Uh, the interpretation of this and the wisdom and insight that you're giving each and every one of us to dive into this topic and to really sift through everything. There are so many popular beliefs out there that uh, really are flat out wrong. And, and again, whether or not we agree or disagree, this isn't a salvation issue. We know that we can disagree on this. And, and as long as we believe that you are our Lord and Savior, you died for our sins, uh, you forgave us, you, you paid the price, you paid our costs, and when we die, we know that, that your blood is, is all that gets us into heaven, and that is the salvation message that we believe. And no, even if we disagree on uh, what these beasts mean, if we agree on that, we're all going to heaven, and that is the bottom line. So Lord, I ask that if there are people out there uh, that are being introduced to this through these great beasts and, and this interpretations that, that they would continue to be curious and that their seed would grow and flourish and it would bear fruit and that they would become followers of you and then even disciples of you and sharing this with many, many other people. He who wins souls is wise and Lord, I ask that each and every person out there would start winning souls for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again so much for being here. This was part five of a big sermon series, about three months. We've got about 14. So keep with us. I hope you're interested. I hope you keep going with it. Uh, it's fascinating to me, and I hope it's fascinating to you. And if there are any questions, please comment below, and I'll try to clarify anything as we continue on. So uh, stay tuned, and God bless.